This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's Jim Mallard here. Welcome to the Mallard Report. The Mallard Report is recorded in front of a live virtual audience on the Duck Pond. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, live. Mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. One more thing before we start. Let me turn it over to my friend that you may know from Ancient Aliens and the Curse of Oak Island and many other things. Robert Clotworthy. On the Mallard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. On the Mallard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcast, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. So I hope everybody's having a good evening. I hope nobody's seen me misfire trying to light the candle tonight, because that's the first time that's happened. Couldn't get the match to light, so I went to a backup match. A few few months ago, I lit the table on fire. That was good good radio as well. My guest tonight, I'm not get, I've got to tweak the ad read a little bit, because he's here. This is the show you've all been hearing about, Daniel Belts. So I'm going to skip down a little bit here. We're going to go to the blood of life, the macabre tale of what what is to long for freedom, love, and to be human? Because we're going to talk about this battle versus good, good versus evil and where that all came from. And then I'm going to bring up this lovely bio Germantown runner sent me about Germantown, or Germantown runner sent me about Daniel Belts. My guest tonight is Daniel Belts. His latest book, The Blood of Life, has just been published through, I just forgot how to say the company's name. Oh, God. Um, Dan, help me out here. It's Anatoly Impress. Anatoly, jeez, a peach. I'm looking at that like, I'm going to mess that up. A native of Ohio, <laughs> where he pursued storytelling and the written word his whole life, which I've known. I've known Dan Belts for a long time. We'll get into that as well. Daniel, welcome back to the Mauer Report. Thanks for having me back, Jim. I'm <laughs> excited to be on with you. It has it's been a long time, but uh, and I, I mean, I know we've kept in touch uh, through Facebook and other other things through, through the past. I don't even know how many years. Well, but, uh, thank you for having me on. We'll we'll get into that a little bit. We'll tease that part of the conversation for later, and then uh, we'll talk about the book first. How's that sound? Sounds great. So, so I obviously known you've always wanted to write, but what made you pen this one? So, this was like literally like the fifth novel that I've written, and this is the first one that got picked up. So, I mean, uh, the first what got me writing was uh, I had a friend that I could no longer be, you know in touch with and I missed him and it, the friend was my dog AJ um, and so I wrote a story about him so I could just like at least in my mind if nothing else spend some time with him and so that's what got me started because the, the book that I wrote for him came out I was exceptionally happy with it but the other people that actually read it were exceptionally happy with it as well they, they really it really resonated with him. So I'm like, maybe I should uh, just start pursuing writing and start trying to tell stories because that's something that I've always wanted to do was be a storyteller. And after getting the feedback on the first novel that I wrote, I was like, well, I'll try to get this, shop this around. And it just got that whole ball rolling. And it's one of the things that really clicked for me 
I mean, I've been a creative type person my entire life. Um, I went to art school, but the thing I've noticed after finding writing is that I only ever cared about getting to the finished product. I never cared about the craft enough to like hone it other than as much as I needed to get the finished product that was required of me. With writing, it was completely different. I enjoy every aspect of writing, whether that's the mechanics of it or how to tell a story. Um, and I'm constantly trying to learn more about it and so I can be better at it. So the craft itself is an obsession for me. And it's one of the ways that I've found that I can tell stories effectively. So talk to me about that, though, because the craft, I mean, it's easy to say, I think everybody on some level, especially the people that come through here, have a story to tell or some sort of information they want to get out. But it's not just as simple as, uh, okay, I've got a story. There's this whole backstory. I mean, I guess it's backstory, I guess, that you have to come up with and try to put in the pieces because you know everything that you, you know, when you create these characters, you know where they're going, where they've been, but it's that fine line of putting enough in there. So the people who don't know, know. Well, see, that's the strange thing. When I first started out trying to write, I would outline everything and, and it didn't really work for me because I did know where everything was going as far as telling the story. So one of the things that I find key about writing is like, especially when I'm trying to write a novel or something is that I create characters before I even create the story and I give space, even though I might have an ending in mind or a beginning, it's, it's getting from the beginning to the ending. I leave that space for the characters to drive that process for me. If that makes sense. So I really don't know where the story's going except for, I know where I want it to end up. And sometimes it doesn't even end up where I originally so, so these characters take a life of their own, I guess, is what you're telling me here. Yeah, I mean, very much so. I mean, if if they don't, then I find it very hard to kind of write them. And trying to force them in it just makes the writing, for me, seem a little stale. I don't know if that's the right word, but so that's that's been how I've evolved through this this process of of learning the craft of writing. So you've mentioned this was the fifth one, and it was the first one that finally got kind of some traction and picked up. Um, obviously, you enjoy writing, but there had to be some, I'll say the word, frustration going forward, going through that process. Oh, for sure. It's, a, it's, it's an exceptionally frustrating process, but once I really focused on doing it, you know, including it as part of my life and just as who I am, I found like at the times when I was frustrated and I would stop trying to get my work out there to the world because there was times where I didn't want to send out queries to agents or to publishers um, when I had those spaces in there and they, they happened periodically. I felt that was, it was, I felt worse because there was no, there was absolutely no chance that my stories would be read by anybody. There was absolutely no chance that I would ever have a book published if I wasn't pursuing it. So that's one of the things I learned was if I'm patient, but I'm persistent, that I'll, at the very least, if nothing were to ever happen, I would have the opportunity still ahead of me. I'll have that hope that it could happen. You know, it's funny you mention that because there's weeks when, you know, well, you, we'll get into the radio part of your, your life in a little bit. But another teaser. 
But there are weeks that I'll take a week off and I will seriously wake up Wednesday morning and not feel whole because I didn't do a show Tuesday night. No matter what the reason is Tuesday night that I couldn't do it. And it sounds like you're the same way. Like if, if you're not out there beating the drum, uh, rest in peace, Indians drum guy, by the way. Um, yes, very much so. <laughs> see how I worked it in for you? We could go home now. We yes, got, I we, appreciate that. <laughs> we, <laughs> we got that in, so we're good. Um, it was kind of smooth. That was hard to get there. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, there's just that, that inertia force that keeps moving you forward. It sounds, I, I know the feelings. So, but okay. So day in and day out, you, you said you set up your, your writing every day now, I'm assuming. I try my very best to write every day and it doesn't happen. I mean, I'm not, I'm, it doesn't always happen. Uh, but when I don't, whether or not I, if I don't, I feel guilty about it. I feel like I've missed an opportunity to add to what I have to offer. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're talking about not doing a show for a week, you know, and missing that. Because I know you're very driven to do the show, and I have that same drive as far as to be an author and to be a writer. Now, I don't see you as one of those people that make more work for themselves than they need to, so I'm not seeing you write it out on paper and then typing it. But I could be wrong. So are you sitting at a computer typing? Or are you doing this are you doing the voice to text or how how are you writing these days? Well, we'll get him back here in a minute. Technology is great when it works, but yeah, fun night. <laughs> uh, let's try pushing that button. Yeah, fun stuff. Okay, so while we're doing that, don't forget, if you if you haven't subscribed to the Matter Report, you like these... Uh... Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Six, one... How about that? We'll, we'll accept and end this call. <laughs> Too many options yeah. on my screen. Uh, <laughs> so I was asking, how, how are you writing these days? I'm assuming you're not doing the paper to pen bit. Apparently, I'm not supposed to ask about paper to pen. Who knew that was going to be a a deal breaker for the show tonight? Wow, that's a first. I mean, I've asked some weird questions, and I, I'm pretty sure we've got shot down by some spy satellites, but uh, paper to pen, I didn't realize, was so conflicting. This is breaking news here, folks. You need to get out there and tell people that the um, the government's out to get us. I don't know. Just kidding. The demons. And I haven't even started talking about good versus evil. I want to get into that. But I obviously can't if I can't keep the phone call together. Man. Give him a second here. Maybe get him a phone charger. or um, <laughs> The wind will change directions there. and Or something. I mean, come on now. I was saying if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and feel free. Or leave a review if you haven't. Uh, always appreciate those as well. Uh, live radio at its best. Let's try... Um, Ringing off one more time here. Probably going right to voicemail again, because that's what it does when I call him. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic... <laughs> oh, fun stuff. Okay. So, yeah, for a while, I've been reading this promo for a month now, and this this line right here... Oh, here we go. Too many windows pop up. When I... 
Let's see if it connects now. It says it's connecting, but it hasn't connected yet, so we're hoping. I got some extra duct tape and coat hangers out. So we'll see. Crossing our fingers. Dot your eyes. Oh boy. Why didn't it connect? I don't know. <laughs> Crossing our fingers and hoping with this extra load of duct tape, this will stay together now. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so I, I, I've asked a lot of questions on the show, and I didn't realize that Deep State would be upset by paper versus computer, but here we are. <laughs> you know, so that's, I guess that's where it is. No, I'm not. I, the first book I wrote, I did write in notebook because I was literally working line fried at a Honda building cars. And in between finishing my job, I would write it out longhand in little notebooks. I had about 40 notebooks at the end of that. But now, no, it's all it's all done on a computer for me. I'm not writing longhand unless I absolutely have to. So I'm going to ask you about the technology now because I know you're, you're, you're always paying attention to stuff like that. What do you think about this chat D GPT and the assisted systems I mean, of AI? AI is out of the bag. I mean, Skynet is real, but... Uh, I don't think you're ever going to be able to replace the human voice and the and the human soul that's inter, interlaced within the art that a human will create. That doesn't mean that you can't get functional writing out of chat GPT, but I, I'm not really looking forward to reading any books written by an artificial intelligence. Do you think it'll get, I mean, obviously right now it's really, really junky at best, I guess. I mean, it does some, it does some well. It called me a comedian, which I was kind of confused about, but I kind of see it. But I was kind of confused because I've never <laughs> called myself that. So, I mean, I'm wondering if it's actually that smart or it just got lucky. I don't know. Um, but uh, <laughs> there are, I mean, I, I, there are some, there are some values, but I, I, it's going to get a little bit better, but I don't know if it's ever going to get better. I mean, like, great, I guess is where I'm going. See, maybe, maybe I need an AI to host the show. I don't think we need an AI to host anything, but I mean, I do, I do agree with you. I think it's all, it's going to evolve. It's going to get better, but there is just something about a machine spewing out words and looking into the AI. There's also the AI art movement as well. There's a lot of hurdles that need to be um, left over and for uh, looking for a way to describe it for this through legal processes right now. You know, there's a lot of copyright and uh, infringement and things like that that's happening within that that they're trying to sort out because you can't just pull words out of nowhere and or even art out of nowhere and just create it. So they, they're still working on it. But I, I think, you know, over over the course of years, I mean, AI, I mean, it's going to get better. It's going to get more intelligent. Um, and I mean, they've got it. So it's learning now. Yeah, as as we move through it, somebody told me years ago that AI would be able to because you know you'd upload all my shows through this program, and I'd learn my mannerisms and my questions and my speech patterns, and then my show could, in theory, go on forever because they'd have a clone of me and my voice pattern. And I went, well, wouldn't that be just scary? I could be dropped over, and people think I'm still alive hosting shows. I could be the vampire that people think Nicolas Cage is. <laughs> I, well, I mean, it's always the possibility, I guess, to some degree, but they're never going to really capture the essence of what is Jim Mallard, per se, or the voice 
they'll get they'll get, it'll be a close facsimile, but it'll never actually replace the human element. At least that's my opinion. I know maybe there's futurists out there that disagree with me, but I mean, and I'm not like ensconced in the science of AI, but it's definitely a topic that affects a lot of creative now because it's now it's not just like trying to figure out algorithms of what other items to bring to you on Amazon. It's it's uh, trying to like literally replace you know human creativity. Uh, so it's not something you you pay a hundred bucks for a license and now you don't have to pay an artist or you don't have to pay a copywriter. So that, in that respect, it's a little scary. I was going to say, will it ever get to the point where it's, how do I say this? Not as valuable as pink. I mean, obviously it's not as valuable people think it is today, but I mean, people are seeing more value in it than they, than there should be at this point. Well, I'm asking a very backwards question. Do you think it ever comes back a little bit? Because there's, there's such a flock to it now where, like you were saying, the human touch is always going to be the human touch, no matter how much AI we put in anything. I don't know. I think the cat's out of the bag. I, I, I think it'll progress to a certain point, um, and uh, a lot of people won't be able to enter into those arenas that it's replacing people in. I mean, we haven't gone back from from robots. I mean, robots are still building a lot of stuff. Um, so, but come on, Dan. I, I, Dan, you've been to McDonald's and not been able to get a McFlurry. You know, robots are only so good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just the ice cream maker at McDonald's. They still can't figure that one out. Maybe, maybe AI can figure that out. <laughs> I had to go there. I guess that, I guess that court case said that other people can work on those machines now. So there's hope. Huh? Just hope. Nah, I don't know. That's, that, that, that's, it's hopeless, Jim. I'm sorry. I don't want to burst your bubble. The ice cream machine will never work properly. Well, especially in western Pennsylvania in, in the summer. In the winter, you can get one all day long. Hot July day, forget it. Because uh, <laughs> they make it out of algae, I guess. Okay, so I wanted to talk to you about, I mean, obviously I've, we had the interview book, but then you sent me the ad to read, and then I've been reading it for the last month, and then there's this line in here that gets me about what happens when... Your worst fears. Where's the face of good? Come on now, so, give me a little bit more about that because I've known you for a long time, and I, I mean, I know what you used to talk about, and what I talk about some of the time, anyways. So, um, I mean, I know where that kind of comes from, but give me a little more about that. So, I mean, the whole premise of the book is that there, it's like the turn of the, the 19th century into the 20th century, and the country in the United States is under a whole lot of turmoil. Um, just, I mean, I don't know if that's similar to any times in our lives, but, uh, so a preacher steps forward and he begins creating a cult, a blood cult. Uh, and his whole message is that life is in the blood, uh, and that that is the path to healthiness and to healing. And that it was the mission that God sent down to all of us was to take the, the blood that we've been given to heal the sick, to make the weak strong, and what turns out, the preacher may not be what he seems like because uh, he's, uh, he's he's doing a, he's creating a blood cult. He's creating followers uh, through the power of his own blood, <laughs> which is just about the most messed up thing I've heard today. Just about? Just about. 
So, okay, okay. So, so, so let's go a little bit more into that because obviously I don't want you to give the ending of the book away. So don't, just don't, obviously, right? Obviously. Right. But for the sake of my conversation, so the preacher becomes super powerful, kind of like Joel Osteen, and gets a jet and gets to fly around the country. Oh, wait. You said the turn of the century, so flight wasn't the thing yet. So he gets his own train? No, no, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, in a way, I mean, there's there's definitely trains in the book, because um, uh, that's a mode of transportation. So this blood cult requires blood, and so that is a, a problem that this preacher can't solve. And so he keeps running afoul of the law from town to town and having to start over from one town to the next until he comes to Millersburg, Ohio, and finds the Amish community that has sequestered itself away from the, the mainstays of civilization. So what happens is a famous author who's a you know, ghost hunter uh, is looking for his next story, and he pitches it to his publisher, and his publisher says, go for it. I want, I want a story like this. This is, this is great. At least it's not ghosts. So he goes to investigate, meets up with the sheriff that last town that this person was known to be in, and they find a clue that sends them on a chase after, chased after the preacher. The uh, author just wants to write the story, and the sheriff wants to get vengeance for what he did in his town, and um, you know, harming his town and, and making him feel like a failure as the sheriff. So I, That's the premise of the story. Side note, I've got to send you a song my son introduced to me to probably a month ago. Perfectly kind of haunting, not necessarily in the same vein, but in the same vein of your story here. You'll like it. Is that a pun, Jim? <laughs> no, well, kind of, you know. I've got to go there sometime. Dan, I'm on fire tonight. What can I say? <laughs> you bring out the best of me. You bring in the worst of me. Oh. Um, well, I... So okay, but where did where did this even? I mean, this idea. Where did this idea even come from? I'm trying to rattle my mind because you know I'm not as creative as you. We kind of come across that through the years. But where did this? Did you wake up one day and have this? Was this a dream, or was this just something that you've been kicking around, writing an old turn of the century story, or what? Uh, well, no, this came to me um, sitting on the couch watching a TV show about some weird history, and they were talking about a blood cult, and also there's a verse in the Bible from the book of Leviticus, which is the life, uh, the life is where the title literally comes from, the power of the flesh is in the, or the power of the flesh is in the life is in the blood or something along the line, I'm butchering it right now, but uh, <laughs> there's a, a, a verse in Leviticus that, that inspired the, the whole sermon and the thought process of there being basically a blood cult built around it. Um, and that little piece of odd history as well. And that, that's where the idea, the nugget of the idea came from. What if there's a powerful being that's literally able to give people power through his own blood and the way he, he builds a cult around himself and builds a kind of a legion of followers is by allowing them to partake in that power through his blood. Well, it just sounds... So, just think about it. Like I said, I, I know what you talked about for years, and when I talk about it, and just, just, you're saying this stuff out loud, and you know, back in my mind, right, we could honestly be talking yeah. about reality somewhere. Right? This isn't fiction. I mean, this, is, this is just reality, and we haven't figured out where it is yet. 
I mean, it's always possible. I mean, but I mean, part of the, the inspiration comes from reality. There was blood cult, a blood cult back in the 1800s that inspired this. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, but you know what I'm saying, you know, you know what I'm saying, like, this could be, this could, we could wake up and, well, we want to open the New York Times, uh, whatever, you open your news browser, and there it is, big scandal, Hollywood, oh wait, um, some group of (laughs) (laughs) oh Dan, how how else am I going to get in trouble tonight, um, Good thing I wasn't depending Let's just on not them. beer into politics, you know. Let's not beer into politics. But, uh, yeah, it's a state of the union, and it's okay. Nobody likes politics is paying attention to us, so it's okay. Uh, That's good. So, okay, now, obviously I haven't read the book, so I'm a, is this going to be a series? That's the question I'm getting from a lot of people that have read it, and that's the question I'm getting from my publisher. Um, and the answer to that is most likely yes depending on, you know, how well the cells are on this and how well the response is to it. I mean, I don't I don't think I need it to be a bestseller necessarily to write a sequel, but I do need it to, you know, pay my publisher back for them to want to publish another one. And then uh, also, you know, I, I have to have enough readers that would want to read a second one because I understand, like, if I do a series, this first one could, you know, it, it could lead to a bigger readership for the next one, and then people could go back and, and read this one to, to fill in the, the blanks from picking up the story from where it left off. So, so before, I did leave open space for another one. So before we get totally in the weeds, I got a whole, like I said, I have some other stuff we need to talk about. Um, where can people find you and find the book? So you can go to my website, which is danielbouts.com. Uh, you can you spell my last name, B-A-U-T-Z, uh, or you can go to uh, Amazon.com and find it there. You can get hardback, paperback, and uh, ebook there. <laughs> so either one of those ways, if you do order it from our website, it's the same cost as what it would be on Amazon, but I'll sign it and I'll send a couple freebies with you. And I also have like merchandise packages for people to buy. So like the Aces and Apes, uh, which I've got a, custom deck of cards with the cover on it and then uh shot glass that says life is in the blood and then i got like a t-shirt canvas bag you can get and then one of the packages and then you just you know, look at it and see what see what what you like and anything that's ordered through my website will come signed and with with a couple of freebies thrown in as well so i've got oh see i almost was shifting gears and then i've got to mention in honor of our friend, mutual friend, Joey and H.P. Cannon, uh, it didn't go straight to photocopy, which was good. So, <laughs> Yeah, so it's a, that's a good thing. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get photocopied or pirated or any of those fun things that are going on in oh, the world. So. That's probably one of the best lines I've ever used on a show. <laughs> uh, and Geo Observation pops up here for me. Leviticus 17.11 for the blood of the flesh is the blood and have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh you atonement for the soul. So that might be the verse you were thinking about. I believe that that sounds very, very correct, Jim. That is, yeah, that's, that's it so, right there. That's how we had these smart people floating around watching, listen, watching and listening to our shows because <laughs> without them, we, um, well, anyways, well, at least I, I'll speak for me. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
you got Robert Clotworthy to do your interest. So I don't know how, how addle-brained you could be, Jim. I mean, that's a pretty cool deal. It is. I, I appreciate him for that. Okay, so oh, so now that we're kind of roaming out into the backstory of us, um, you were last on this program for the one-year anniversary, which would be 2012. Oh, my gosh. And if I, if I remember correctly, I was up in Michigan, and I was talking to you on a chocolate, and we had phone issues. We did, which is just appropriate for tonight because you're still talking on a piece of shit phone, and we're still... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it is an older phone. It's a, like an iPhone 12 or something like that. Oh, wow. An iPhone 12. Okay, so now the other fun <laughs> fact before we get into paranormal things, because I got some interesting questions about the paranormal that's kind of changed in the world since, or has it, I guess is what I'm going to ask about. How do how in the world did me and Mr. Bells end up co-hosting? I wish there were archives of this because it'd be phenomenal to go back and listen to how bad we were <laughs> at predicting <laughs> fantasy football. Oh, my gosh. That's all Eric Schultz's fault. I, I blame him. I know. Like, how did he, how did he convince us that we needed to do a fantasy football show? Oh, I don't know, but uh, I'm pretty sure all my predictions were a hundred percent accurate. I was going to say we were totally right. So, okay. So, speaking of fantasy football, I had I segue again. See, I'm, this is this is coming together pretty well tonight. Super Bowls this weekend. So, you've got either the Kansas City Chiefs or the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. You ask me my pick. Yeah, well, of course. Cleveland Browns. Uh, I'm going. I'm going with the Eagles. I know bad football when I see it. So, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Eagles. Neither of the teams are bad, but I just think injuries are a huge issue for for Kansas City. Oh, another one of our good friends just popped in the chat room. Brian Parsons. Oh, the paranormal news insider himself. I mean, that guy's having some awesome. shitty luck with networks as well. Oh, really? Yeah. His other last network was folded up one day and gone. So, Jeremy Town Runner wants me to ask you the question that I was getting ready to ask you. Uh, have you had any paranormal experiences and details? Question mark. Question mark. I have had paranormal experiences, um, and for the first portion of my life, from toddlership up to tw early twenties, it was pretty much non-stop so I'm a, I'm a believer because I have experienced if I hadn't experienced I wouldn't believe in the paranormal most likely just because of the way my brain functions but after several years of experiences I just I, I can't deny my experiences and it's, it's a funny thing I don't know when the last I know we've talked and I know I don't know when the last paranormal experience you had was but the further I get away from it if I hadn't experienced it, I absolutely wouldn't believe the things that I've experienced. Like it's harder for me to believe it now looking back on it, you know, 30, 30 years later or whatever. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it's been, weird, it's, but it's been a hot minute since I've had one, but I still have more questions, but I, it's a weird questions now. Like why did I have that in that moment? Like the hindsight questions, right? Like, yeah, because it kind of. Why? I mean, obviously, it, it changed. I mean, changed both of us. We both did shows for. You did a show for a long time too. I mean, I'm not this. I mean, 
and it kind of changed who we were, changed our outlook on things, changed what we did. I mean, it changed our course of life. So, I mean, without a paranormal experience, we're not sitting here talking tonight, right? No, I mean, that, and that's very true. I mean, that, that we probably would have never met one another. We never would have ever spoken or, uh, you know, had that opportunity to, to get to know one another, if if not for that. Uh, it's, it's that exploration. But like one of the things that I've come to realize, looking back on it and kind of being detached from it at this point, is that things like ghosts and demons and things like that, they happen to people, and I don't think you get really to gather. I know a lot of people are probably going to disagree with me, and that's fine, but my thought is that these things are experienced for the person experiencing them and, and for nothing else. Like you could, you could have the most beautiful photograph of a full bodied apparition and take it out and show everybody. But if they hadn't experienced it with you, you really have no reason to expect them to believe that that's real. Yeah. That's the interesting. Now that you're saying that, it makes perfect sense because I mean, you've had a number of skeptics on, I have as well. And trying to convince them the sky is blue sometimes is A1A difficult. <laughs> or, oh, I, well, yeah. you, you missed the flat earth generation, by the way. <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> you know, I, and I, those other things too, like I find it interesting, like I've always thought that like was a good example of uh, the flat earth itself. I mean, I'm not a flat earther. And they kind of, the kind of the kind of ruined the idea for me because I always kind of romanticized the idea because I had wanted to create a story where somebody is doing a scientific exploration and sails all the way up to the edge of the earth and what that means to them and how they have to process that that thought and that reality for them which they always believed that you you could circumnavigate now it's just like I can't even I can't even I can never put that idea out there because people might think it's real. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be more likely that an airplane would have, um, I don't know, vanished by now? Well, what about the Bermuda Triangle? Maybe that's the edge of the earth. But it's a triangle. Come on. But wait, wait, wait. Now, if we could piece these, oh, see, this is a bad pun here, piece these conspiracies together with the Chuck E. Cheese pizza... Oh, wait, we're on to something here. The mother of all Chuck conspiracies e. is about to come out here. Don't forget Chuck E. Cheese is the father of AI. <laughs> hey, he he had the first band that played artificial music. That's, that's right. He's an artificial intelligence that serves you pizza. Really bad pizza. Is it even, can we kill, I mean, I, I know it, it's cardboard with uh, marinara on it, but does it make it pizza? <laughs> I mean, a lot of people think, <laughs> think it is. I mean, a lot of racket that is. $95 for a piece of cardboard with some bad, bad sauce on it. Is that how much it costs? I mean, I haven't gone there in ages. So. Uh, wow. It may not be $95, but it's uh, it's way more than it should be. Well, I, I think we got a new business idea here, Jim. <laughs> you need to open up a Chuck E. Cheese. How about an adult paranormal Chuck E. Cheese where we serve just as bad pizza? But we have, like, Bigfoot coming through the wall, just kind of, like, misty. And then underneath the floor, it'll be, like, a kind of glass floor, but every once in a while, something will swim by. Or we can serve the ghost of pizza and never really have to make any pizza. Yeah, your, your server will be right out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
anyway, I mean, I think I'm taking this off the rails. I apologize. No, that's okay. Now, Geo Observation puts up there that Nolan Bushnell was the founder of Chuck E. Cheese. was also the founder of Atari. So we're going to put it back on the rails and say he was good for something. I mean, I love Atari. I'm, I'm old enough to have played Atari as a child, so. So, so okay, so you did you did Mondays. Okay, so take me back. Let's go back for the radio show for a minute because I'm, I'm fascinated. What made you want to do that? Because I mean, maybe we, talk, we, that, we, we were talking about the writer, you, and you've always wanted to write, but talking to people is 180 degrees different than than writing. Well, it, I mean, in a way, it's like it, it was a, an amazing piece of research for me over you know that course of almost a decade that I did the show. So I started the show because I was interested in being a filmmaker. I was very interested in, you know, watching shows like, I think pretty much Ghost Hunters was the, had just started up. And I was very interested in that show because one of the things that captured my attention was all these gadgets and doodads that they would run around in the dark with. And they would say, well, these are gathering, you know, information and data. And these are like amazing instruments and they're creating, you know, we, all we have to do is collect this data and present it and it's evidence. And it didn't make sense to me, and I think I've already stated that I'm uh, fascinated by weird history. So if you look at the spiritualist movement at the, you know, around the uh, Harry Houdini times, uh, early 20th century, um, or even the 1890s with the, oh, the Sherlock Holmes author, I'm, I'm drawn to blank, uh, Sir, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and the fascination there, you know, with the psychical research, we acted like here at the end of the 20th century that somehow we were more sophisticated than at the beginning of the 19th century, and yet we were still kind of collecting the same data. It's just our gadgets matched the technology of the time. Like, I didn't think an EVP recorder was too much different than a Ouija board or a seance session or... Any of the any of the tools that they were using, uh, I wanted to do a documentary about how the modern paranormal researcher wasn't any more advanced than the psychical researcher. So I wanted a way to get audio from from paranormal uh, experts and people that have worked in the field to get audio from them to use in the documentary. In the documentary, and it just it never happened. The, the radio show took on a life of its own, and ten years. You know, nine, ten years later, I was like, you know, looking back at this body of work um, when it got canceled by the radio station. Which is a tragedy, by the way, but that's here or there. Um, but, what, okay, but take, I mean, cause I, okay, so where did the difference, I mean, obviously at some point it kind of kept taking on its life its own. But why didn't you say no once in a while? Because you went from one night to two, which I appreciate because I, you know, used to do Tuesday night right after my show, which was great because I got to listen. To, I mean, I listened to both anyways, but it was great yeah. to, you know, when you're doing all this post-production stuff that you do, it was great to have something to listen to. But I mean. Well, I mean, yeah, originally it started as a monthly podcast and it was a week, a weekly podcast. And then, you know, the whole shark radio thing happened which you know you were there at the genesis of all of that that's how we kind of came together and how they had a i took the monday night hole because i had time a time frame for me there and then 
when the when you did, moved into the Tuesday time slot and had that, and then there was this whole after you, I'm like, hey, I'll do two shows a week. I would, you know, and eventually I ended up doing five shows a week for the radio station. So, I mean, it's just, I didn't want to say no because I was passionate about the subject matter. I was passionate about what I was doing. Um, you know, I was, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the opportunity to speak with all these amazing minds and amazing people and to kind of not just get to look at the phenomena behind what they were interested in, but also the people who were interested in it. So it was like, I got to kind of see the minds of the people who were interested in certain phenomena and, and kind of try to understand motivations and things like that. So for me, it was like an amazing sociological uh, research project for me. It gave me 10 years of insight into the way different minds work. So do you miss it? The answer is yes and no. I miss the interaction. I certainly miss the people that would come to the chat room every day. And that was a lot of fun to interact with a, a lot of those people. Um, I miss talking and engaging with all these interesting minds, but I don't miss the the amount of work that went into it. And, and I know you understand how much work it takes to do a, a t an hour show, you know, so I was doing, at the end of it, I was doing 10 hours of shows every week on top of working a full-time job. And I was seeing really, I, I was seeing no money. Uh, I was actually feeding money into it. So when the cancellation came, it was a it was a it, a blessing in disguise, I guess. Because if I had still continued to do the, the Grand Art Conspiracy, I would have never sat down to write Aristotle James and the Phantom Funeral Coach, uh, and I certainly would have never made it to Life Is in the Blood. I would have never touched my own what I feel calling and purpose in life. I would have probably missed it. Well, there's no question you want to miss it because you didn't have time to do anything else. I mean, I know that. Right. Because anytime, anytime you pick up something else when you're not working on the show, you feel guilty about it. Yeah. It, it's a... But, I mean, I'll never not be doing something else. So, <laughs> who knows if I could ever... If I could ever write for a living, then I would probably start a, a podcast. Uh, it would probably be a different format, but I still was... Uh, explore the odd and unusual. So I'm not going to make you pick one of your favorite children because I know that's unfortunate at best when I ask who was your favorite guest, but you could give me uh, maybe what your favorite thing to talk about was. Oh man. I mean, that's the thing. I had so many great guests on, so I, I get that. Um, I love, I love talking about folklore. I think, one of my favorite shows I did was, uh, I want to say it was talking about Native American folklore. Um, that was like absolutely blew me away. But I mean, I talked to a guy who went to Africa and visited uh, a group of cannibals. That was a great, I mean, so hard to pick a favorite subject, but I'm, I'll, I'll always be leaning towards the ghosts, uh, and the, the demonic and all that that realm, the spiritual realm, I guess, of the paranormal, which if I look at it like three pronged, I mean, you got crypto, you got UFOs, and then you've got the, uh, 
spiritual, ghosty, demonic. All the fun stuff. Yeah. No, it, it's you're right. It's like I said, it is hard to pick your favorite, and I, that's why I want to put you to it because that'd be just like I said. I've get asked that question all the time, and, and I know it's uncomfortable at best to try to answer that because you start you start naming people, and then you know you're forgetting people too. Well, there's that, and then there's, it's just like you, you might you're two minutes later you're going to think of somebody else, and you're like, oh yeah, so. And you don't maybe remember something in the moment. So I would hate to say a favorite guest, but there was definitely a lot. I mean, I, I felt honored to early on uh, talk to like Lloyd Auerbach and Stanton Friedman, uh, some, and some real luminaries who like came before this like wave that came in the early late 20th into the early 21st century. You know, uh, a lot of people that did a lot of groundwork in the 70s and 80s I got to talk to. And I mean, again, I mean, I got to talk to you. I got, I got to know Brian Parsons exceptionally well. I got to, you know, know Dave Considine exceptionally well. And, and those are a couple of, those are like three relationships that I carry through in my life that I'm, I feel exceptionally blessed to continue to have. Yeah. I, I miss those segments that Considine used to do. They, they were phenomenal. Um, so I will ask you this question now because this one, this this could be today even, right? Okay. Ready for this, buckle up. Somebody you'd like to talk to. Maybe it's off the record even. Maybe if you weren't doing a show, but unfortunately we're on a show, so we're gonna have to ask that way. The one that I really felt bad that I never had the opportunity to talk to was Lorraine Warren. Um, that was one that I was really working hard to get at the end of the show. And she had agreed to come on to do basically what was said. She said would probably be her last radio interview. Um, and then the show got canceled two episodes before that was supposed to happen. You didn't call her up and just so pretend never, like the, you didn't call her up and pretend like the show no, was still happening. No, the emails went out and it canceled because I didn't want to waste people's time. Uh, uh, so that 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 kind of sucked, but. Uh, uh, out of what's out there now, I mean, I, I don't even know. I'll be honest, Jim. I haven't, I mean, I listened to your show. I like two weeks ago, you had like one of the most phenomenal guests on. I absolutely love that show. Uh, the guy from the South pole. You're not the only one. A lot of people love him. So, I mean, it was just absolutely fascinating. I know it wasn't paranormal, but absolutely fascinating to listen to that process and that, that whole lifestyle that he had to offer. So it's just, it's it's not being engaged with the community as a whole, I guess, that I miss. I mean, there's a lot of people that are famous now that I wouldn't even be interested in, in talking, <laughs> talking to. Oh, you said it, not me. That's good. No, I'm not engaged in the community like it was either at one time. It just got so toxic there for a while. It was horrible. Like, everybody, everybody had a sizzle reel and was pitching it to a TV network. Everybody. Uh, I mean, it's the gold rush, you know. Everybody wants to, everyone's doing this because they want to do it for a living, and, and you can't blame people for having an ambition. But at the same time, you can blame people for cutting each other's throats. Well, how many people have actually got to do it for a living? Not very many. No, it's not very many. I mean, that's the thing. You got that's a factor. It. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, I mean. A handful, at best. Well, and when you start doing that, 
Minus the people in the U. The U if, if you're paid attention out there and you're still listening to this interview and you want to make money on the paranormal, you need to take the UFO model and apply it to your paranormal career, which is write a book, go on a bunch of shows and talk about it, write another book, go on a bunch of shows and talk about it, and then get start getting booked at events and talking about it. Now, I was told, this is hearsay, gossip, not slander, by any stretch. But some of those people out on the UFO circuit just make that shit up and put it in a book and go out and talk about it like it really happened. Not saying it's true, not saying it's false, but just saying it does happen. Well, I mean, that's going to happen. I mean, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's going to happen. I mean, you're going to have that. You have that in any any community, really. Man, you're the one. You're trying to hide from that opinion in a hurry, and I just laid it out there. <laughs> no, I'm not. I mean, but I mean, it's, it's real. I mean, there's people that make stuff up, and they they're silking, there's they're they're bulldozing houses, and they're doing all kinds of things. So. Bulldozing houses. Oh, come on. I, I don't have enough hair gel for that tonight. Um. <laughs> I don't have enough hair. <laughs> um. So, so you're kind of at a fork in the road because when did you stop? I mean, when did you stop? When did you kind of put up that book? It was going out to get edited. So you, there's been a gap here between that and now because obviously I've known the book was coming out for a while now. Yeah, uh, so that uh, the book is out. The book came out yesterday. So that that process, I think when I reached out to you was in December. So yeah. we we wrapped. I wrapped up my part of editing in December. So it was mm, probably right before Christmas that I sent my final edit off to the publisher, and then they did a few line edits and stuff on it, uh, formatted it to get it ready for print. So I guess. I asked that question and asked this question because you say you're trying to write daily. Are you trying to write that second book or are you writing something else or are you just writing uh, Dear Abby columns just to keep yourself busy? <laughs> so I'm, I'm working on a completely different novel that I was working on before I sold the book. Um, and it's a, it's, a par- it's a modern paranormal thriller. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I don't want to get too much in, in, into it, but... Uh, it's modern day. It's going to deal with a lot of paranormal, but it's more thriller than it is going to be like horror. Well, that's fine. I don't want you to get too far. I mean, I know you're still writing it, so obviously anything could change at this point. But I was kind of wondering because, you know, juggling back and forth. and I just seem well, I, I'm my, doing my... this juggle with my hands, which doesn't make sense for you listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're doing. Uh, well, the thing is, I, I do have a second book that's, slated to come out in September, uh, which is a middle grade uh, book. Uh, it's a middle grade paranormal adventure book. If you, if you see a theme running through. Um, so it's about a boy and his dog. And uh, hopefully that, that will come out in September. It's slated to currently. Uh, they're going through the manuscript now. So hopefully I'm doing two a year. So, Hopefully the one I'm working on now can come out in next February. The second book in the middle grade can come out in the following September. This is just my plan. This is not concrete. And then hopefully that following February would be a sequel to Life is in the Blood. At least you have a plan. That's all. It's half the battle. 
knowing that you've got a goal and making sure you're staying on track and all that other stuff. Cause yeah, I want to do two books a year. Out there floundering in the wind, you know how that goes. Nothing yeah, I know. Got to keep working toward towards your towards your goals. Um, so, and that's I'm not going to stop. Oh yeah, you are. I'm writing. You're gonna get. Nope, I'm writing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing no matter what. It doesn't matter if it's getting published or not. I'm going to continue to do this. You're going to be a big Instagram star. Oh yeah, I hope my a few hundred followers. Who I'm very sad to say they are, are actually very engaged uh, with my writing. So thank you if you are following me on Instagram, which is at DBowski. Uh, I, mean, I will tell you this, and you'll know this as well. The world of social media, since, well, since I started my show and since you were kind of, I mean, that was kind of all in the same time frame when you kind of ramped up. Um, social media is so much different now than it was. Yes, it is. I'm sure you remember MySpace. Oh, hey, MySpace. We're dating ourselves. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, I, I dated myself with the Atari stuff. I mean, yeah. <laughs> nah, it's okay. Atari's fun. MySpace makes you sound old. Retro gamers are like, oh, that isn't that old. I still do that. <laughs> Maybe yeah, that's true. I, I still don't understand this, Dan. People watching people play games. I, I still can't wrap my head around it. I can't either, but, uh, you know, hey, whatever floats your boat, if that's what entertains you, I guess. But I, I guess, you know, we watch football, so it's kind of the same thing. It, it, you know, it's the whole eSports thing. It's a real it's a real thing. So, I mean, more power to you. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I don't even play video games anymore. Oh, man, now you're, it's, 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 now you're... I know you play Candy Crush on the toilet, so it's okay. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't play games on my phone, but I don't oh. have to put those videos. <laughs> there's another dated reference. Good God! Somebody out All there right, will be Jim. somebody be out there. Was this the 2011 show or was this the 20 2023 show? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. So what? What else? What I mean, besides all this writing, what I mean, what what are you doing to get away from all of this? Because you got all this creative going, you have to kind of. I know when I'm stuck, I go for a drive. What do you do? Well, if I can, I go outside. Um, but you know, if I can't, then I write more. I mean, literally, uh, or or I'll watch some TV. I mean, I'm like, oh, I watch some TV, <laughs> watch a movie or something like that. You know, to to, to recharge the brain because the job that I work in currently a creative job as well so it's not writing but it definitely is a, a creative job so to keep the creative mind flowing sometimes you just need to veg out and you're watching uh, keeping up with the kardashians i'm assuming oh no hell no <laughs> <laughs> that was, no, that no, was no, only I, for the search tags when somebody you know when we do the transcripts later gotcha gotcha <laughs> Because they'll be interested in, in hearing about. Uh, Why do these two, two people, paranormal talk people, talk about the Kardashians? <laughs> Must be something good. In... <laughs> I, the current obsession right now is Yellowstone, so we're catching up on all of that. I have not watched it, so you're saying it's okay to watch them? It is some of the most exceptional writing that I've seen on 
on any like scripted program. So the first season it took me, it took me the entire first season to get into it. I will say that because I didn't understand where they were taking any of the characters and I kind of hated every single character in the show. But uh, by the end of the first season, I was kind of, I still was like intrigued because it was like, you were, it was devils fighting devils is how I looked at it. And, you know, you like, okay, where are they going to take this? Because this isn't structured like most of the television that I've watched. Because I'm always late coming to TV shows. It took me a while to get The Office. Which is a great show. It is. But I was totally off, you know, like it was off everybody else's radar. I'm like, hey, have you seen that show? And everybody's like, yeah, five years ago. Come now. <laughs> that's how it goes though that's the beauty of streaming and, and uh, the, the whole having everything accessible all at once you don't have to wait week to week now to watch a show I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna say this and I know some people are out there working on it and it's coming and all this other stuff but podcasting needs that Netflix kind of thing and it needs to be better. So I know it's supposed to be out there, the, the lengths of shows that are kind of in the same vein. Of course, I realize my show isn't going to line up with anybody's other show, so it really doesn't help me. But there are people out there who could benefit from a AI-moderated or a human-moderated content. Like an algorithm yeah. pointing out of shows. Yeah. yeah. Besides Joe Rogan and all the other, you know. Michelle Obama, Joe Rogan, you know, like, every, you like this show, you'll like this one. No, I won't. <laughs> They're not, no, no. No, just because yeah. you paid millions of dollars from does not mean I will enjoy that show. <laughs> yeah, I, especially those shows. I'm, I'm, I'll pass. I don't need to. So, Mr. Bouts, we're staring down the barrel of a uh, minute left, so I've got one very important question for you. You've been listening oh, for a my while. My favorite breakfast. Your favorite breakfast. You know it's coming. You've been doing your homework, so you've been ready for it tonight. Uh, that's a, that's a hard one, but I'm going to say uh, crepes with uh, fig fig jelly or jam, actually fig preserves. I never, never would have guessed that from a guy from Ohio. Never. Well, you know, I'm in Florida now, so. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're sophisticated. Right, right. <laughs> There's no fancy people in Ohio. I was going to say, in Ohio, it was a peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> <laughs> it was hot dogs and mac and cheese. That's right. Uh, well, my friend, the door is always open when you get these next few books out. You know that. And I wish you continued you, success Jim. and all that other stuff. And uh, good, good hearing your voice again. It is good to hear your voice again, Jim, and I know we won't be strangers. We haven't been for a long time, so I just want to thank you for the opportunity. Uh, and if everyone's interested in a good horror thriller adventure, you can go to Amazon.com and find Life is in the Blood there by me, Daniel Bouts, or you can get it at my website, DanielBouts.com. And, and thank you for being a friend of the show and sponsoring last, well, this month and last month and all that fun stuff. No, that was my pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to do it. Catch up soon. Uh, All right. There you go. There's Daniel Bouts, the promo we've been talking about for the last month here. Um, yeah, good friend of the show. So, um, yeah, Germantown Runner is right for the impact. 
there's not going to be an impact on that because you're going to go all subscribe and read for review and be back. It's the Mallard Report. Yeah, the Mallard Report. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a good show tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Take a few moments, subscribe, share, all the fun stuff. You know how to do it. I don't have to tell you. Just uh, be ready for next week. It'll be sooner than you think. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.